Hey guys, and welcome back to the FFP. We got a fun video today. We're going to do buy or sell. Rob, you're going to handle four buy or sell situations, and so am I. We're just basically going to talk about, hey, from week one, this thing happened. Is that going to continue? But we've also got something better in this video, which is going to be at the end of the video, probably more importantly why I think we're going to get a lot of views on this. It's just going to be that we're going to do updates on player injuries and what you need to know. We do our waiver wire and our start sit video so early in the week that I think you guys need some time to just be updated because a few things have happened since we last made a video. Uh, so you guys know we're going to make a video every week like this with a topic we're going to pick. Maybe it'll be trade targets or whatever it's going to be. But then at the end of the video, uh, uh, we're going to talk about injuries and we're just going to update you guys because I know that by the time Friday and Saturday rolls around, people are a little nervous because the video has been a couple of days old. So that hopefully you guys can look out for that every week. Hopefully you guys will enjoy that. And as always, leave comments down below if you have any questions. We will do our best to answer them. However, uh, we can't answer all of them. We found that out this week the hard way. And so make sure to sign up for our Patreon, guys, if that's something that you think is really important to you. But uh, Rob, if you don't have anything to say, I don't have anything to say. Let's get going. Let's keep moving on. Right, let's get right into it. First, buy or sell. Todd Gurley is no longer an RB1 in fantasy. Am I buying that or am I selling that? I'm selling that, okay? Okay, I'm selling that all day long. I, I, I don't buy that at all. In fact, I tell you what, if you're scared of Todd Gurley and then you're watching this video playing leagues with me, uh, go ahead and trade him to me. I'd be happy to take him off of your hands. You know, so in order for him not to be an RB1, is there 12 other running backs? Because your standard league is, you know, 12 teams basically, right? Is there 12 other running backs better than him? With his talent in that offense that's high-powered like McVay, I doubt it. Once again, he's got some question marks, but I doubt there's 12 other guys you can definitively say, yeah, they are much better than him. So let's look at a few other reasons why I think that this guy is still considered a running back one in fantasy football. In week one in 2019, a lot of people felt the Rams offense, that high-powered offense that they had, that they struggled. Uh, and they didn't look as good. And, uh, and you know, and I was one of those guys. If we looked at it, they didn't seem like they were clicking on offense. They weren't moving the ball. They struggled. They struggled to the point of scoring 30 points still. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, even in their struggles, uh, what's going to happen when they hit on all cylinders? So, uh, still very good. Since McVay has taken over that offense in 2018, they scored 32.9 points per game. 2017 was 29.9 .9 points per game. In those two seasons, they were first and second in the NFL. Uh, so, that offense with him as head coach, uh, even going back to week one, they average about 30 points per game. So, even though they're not looking sharp, they still look great. They're still great offense. Okay. This offense, because they're so high-powered and they move the ball so many times, they're getting the red zone. That's a lot of red zone opportunities for Todd Gurley, which is going to keep his value high. Red zone opportunities galore. So I want to draw a parallel here um, and something I think raises his value. Let's go back to LeGarrette Blount playing for the Patriots in 2016, right? Now, that Patriots offense was good, but not as good as the Rams offense. That year, the Patriots scored 27.6 points per game. So the Rams have been statistically a better offense, right? Blunt's yards per carry that year were not good, 3.9. That's not a very good yards per carry, right? But he had 18 touchdowns. Why? He was playing the, the league's third-best offense there. He finished eighth in fantasy points for running backs. So um, in there, just simply getting those red zone opportunities. And then we look at Blunt or Todd Gurley, talent-wise. Um, Todd Gurley's not even close. Todd Gurley is far and away the more talented back, hands down. Th that year, Blunt averaged 18.5 carries per game. Um, Todd had 15 touchdowns in week one, okay, 15 touches, and he had 14 carries and one reception. Now you look back at last year, he was banged up the end of the year, he missed some games, he only played in 14, still finished with 20 touchdowns, that's phenomenal. In fact, late in the year, when they started to limit his snaps, when they started to be concerned about his knee, in his last six games of 2018, okay, he only averaged 14.5 carries, not very good, that's not RB1 material, right, only 14 uh, carries per game. But consider this, even in those limited touches playing in that offense, 
he still averaged a touchdown per game. He still averaged 113 total yards per game and 4.6 catches per game during that stretch when he was limited in his touches and carries. You know, in that offense, you just produce. And so those numbers easily put him as a top 10 running back there. Now, last week, Brown vultured a touchdown. In the first half, you know, Malcolm Brown looked better. He really did. And I know if you're a Todd Gurley owner, you had to start to wonder why he struggled so much. But in the second half, it wasn't even close. Todd Gurley looked like a mold self. He was dominant. He hit his stride. He was just tearing off chunks of yard every time he touched the ball. So the question is, why did Brown get so many carries early on? Were they resting Todd Gurley? Were they limiting his touches? Certainly a possibility. Or could be something else also. How many veterans who skipped preseason, who didn't play at all, really struggled in the first half? Of those games think about Carson Wentz that offense was brutal and then Carson Wentz really his drive second half there's a lot of veterans who missed the preseason who struggled so I think some of it could be rust for Gurley and as the game went on he got stronger and got better if you look at Todd Gurley versus Brown Todd Gurley averaged better um, two more yards better per carry in that game than Brown and when it really mattered in the fourth quarter in a close game you know who they relied upon heavily Todd Gurley um, after the game he had no adverse effects to his knee which is a very good sign Yes, he does carry some risk. Undoubtedly, he does. But almost every back in the NFL does nowadays. It's hard to find that guy that you can say has no risk at all. But he also has high, high reward. This is a guy that's got a lower floor because of his knee issues, but he has a very, very high ceiling. I would buy low on this guy now. If you're an owner out there, uh, if you know somebody who owns him and they're panicking, go ahead and make a trade. This guy's going to be huge. Agree, disagree? What are your thoughts? You buying or selling on that? No, I have to agree with that. And that was something that I somewhat predicted as we went into the game, telling people to start him. And people thought I was wrong. We talked about this before the video started. We wouldn't quite put him as an elite running back. He's not Elliott or Saquon Barkley at this point, but he has to be in the top 12. He has to be in the top 10, and especially when you look at those other options. Who are you going to put over him? Devonta Freeman or Joe Mixon? All these other guys are banged up as well. And so it's a situation of he's got to be in that list for sure. And I feel very confident in that. And I'm excited to see he's going to get red hot as the season goes on all right guys so we got a question here people have been asking it left and right so i wanted to address this question are the patriots too talented to trust are there too many players on that team i can i mean where's the ball gonna go i want to hear this because i owe antonio brown and i've been vacillating do i keep him do i trade him what do i do but go ahead and convince me Wow. Okay. First of all, this is weird. Um, I want to be a politician and avoid answering. I want to say yes and no. I want to not answer this. And part of me thought, you know what? Don't be just, don't be an idiot, Christian. Talk about another situation. But I have to address it. And I'm going to um, buy it for the wide receiving core. And we're going to talk about these positions because it really breaks down to the running backs, Tom Brady, and then the wide receivers very much separately. And so we're going to start with the wideouts. I buy it for the wide receivers. For stars, you have Josh Gordon, who played a really messed up year last year. We played a couple games there in Cleveland, then he gets traded. He takes some time to get used to the offense. He only plays 12 games last season. Not all of those games were full games, and yet he was on pace for 1,000 yards. You have Julian Edelman, the Super Bowl MVP. People were talking all offseason about how great he is, how elite he is. You had Antonio Brown, the 15, touch man, 15 touchdown man from last season. I mean, this guy is insane. Especially people are making these arguments about what the Steelers looked like last week without Antonio Brown. But I think you're going to address that a little bit more later, are you not, Rob? I'm going to, yeah. Um, and then, funny thing is, you know who the number one wide receiver was for the Patriots last week? Philip Dorsett scored 25 fantasy points. He had 95 yards and two touchdowns, and he's the number four receiving option. Now, of course, he takes a massive hit and completely disappears out of, out of that offense when Antonio Brown really fully gets worked in. And yet still, you have to remember, Tom Brady is a quarterback who loves to spread the ball around. In fact, I was looking into some numbers. 
the only other quarterback that I have ever seen to spread the ball as much or more than Tom Brady is Peyton Manning. I tell you what, good quarterbacks, mature quarterbacks, they use the game plan well and they spread the ball out. And speaking of spread the ball out, you can do that even more when you've got James White, who led all running backs with seven touchdown catches last season. That's another name in the passing game. And he's also works well in the running game. It's a very confusing situation as far as who the heck are we supposed to trust? Now, guys like Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, and Antonio Brown, they're going to find their way in starting lineups. They're going to get on your roster in flex play as wide receiver threes and sometimes wide receiver twos, depending. Uh, but can you trust them as much as you used to trust them? Certainly not. So I'd like to take a second before we continue on to say, hey, Tom Brady is a guy that you can trust. He is the one player who without a doubt benefits from all of this talent. Uh, I know that's obvious, and yet a lot of people aren't huge on Tom Brady. In fact, in some leagues, he was even unowned. So I wanted to uh, look at some stats. Um, now, I know you may talk about Tom Brady a little bit more later, but get this, from week 11 of last season, Tom Brady ranked sixth among quarterbacks with a 106.5 passer rating, just shy of 2,000 yards, and a 15 to 4 touchdown interception ratio. And then you add in all these weapons. This doesn't have a lot of fantasy value, but just to let everyone know, uh, Rob Gronkowski has said he's going to return to the Patriots and be playing by week 14, and that'll have interesting playoff implications. Um, so this is a really interesting situation. The one guy that I think this really kind of secretly, quietly hurts the most is probably Sony Michelle. And this is a guy that I don't think, I think he's a guy who takes the biggest hit from this. And he's a guy I think lose a lot of value that you can't quite trust. Not only is he going to take a big hit in that offense as far as touchdown production and red zone production, he already wasn't producing well. He had 15 carries for just 14 yards. And as you talked about the other day, because we, we were just kind of casually discussing football, and you said, you know what, if I'm the New England Patriots, who's the running back, James White or Sony Michelle? Who's the one you want healthy, you want playing come playoff time? That's got to be James White as the more valuable back able to use himself in that passing game. Tell you what, this whole offense makes me nervous. Um, but Rob, what do you think? Yeah, when I look at the situation here, I think all these guys have very safe floors. They play in an offense that's not going to struggle too much. They're going to always put points on the board and do well. So it gives you a solid floor there. But I think it lowers all their ceilings. What's really fun about that, though, is people are really concerned. And I am, too. i got Antonio Brown. Uh, I'm going to play the guy. I think he's going to be solid for me. He's not going to put up those numbers he did in Pittsburgh. But nobody seems to have a problem with a very similar situation, like, for example, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, or Brandon Cooks. Yeah. There's three wide receivers there. And I'll tell you what, I have more confidence in these Patriot wide receivers than, let's say, Robert Woods. Um, but yeah, you you definitely. I think you have a nice solid for these guys. But you can you know you cannot expect that Brown's going to go out there have his typical hundred catches, uh, you know, fourteen hundred yards and double digit touchdowns. I think it uh, definitely hurts. But you know, it's going to help other things like Tom Brady or Goskowski, the kicker. Mm -hmm. I mean, definitely it's going to help that, that defense. defense. Oh yeah, that defense has suddenly just moved up the charts. So so the last thing I wanted to address before we move on is we've got to talk about this Antonio Brown situation. Do we not? Do we think or do we not think he's going to play? Um, this is the thing where right now the NFL has not taken action, so he is not on Roger Goodell's, uh, I believe it's called the exempt list or whatever it is, where he is not allowed to perform actions or whatever, do anything involving the NFL. He's not on that list. He's allowed to practice. He's allowed to play. And as we looked into some of the information with this rape allegation, to be honest, and, and I am far from an expert on this, it makes me very nervous just talking about it, so I'm going to kind of tell you what I've been seeing from a lot of other experts is that they don't think that this is really going to go through as far as it's a civil case. 
the NFL is not really involved in, and they don't think that he's actually going to be charged with anything. The evidence seems very weak. The person accusing him seems, I guess the word to use would be very sketchy. So let you guys know there's a really, really high likely chance that he will be playing. We doubt that he gets suspended. Um, just wanted to update you guys on that, but I'm uncomfortable talking about it. So let's just move on. Yeah. You know, to clarify when you say sketch, I don't think you're saying you're, you're not based on that. We don't know the character of either one of these individual people, but you know, just the whole situation, uh, you know, they were friends. They waited for a while like that. Um, leads us to believe there's not going to be any action taken that's going to cause Brown to miss time. We're not saying we're not here to say that we like Antonio Brown or we think very positively his character, not at all. So we don't hear any negative comments out there. We're not <laughs> supporting who he is as a human being. So let's get to our next game. So here we go talking about the uh, New England Patriots again. And so here's the question. Tom Brady is a top five fantasy quarterback at the age of 42. Am I buying or selling that? Okay, well, heading into the year, his average draft position was 15th. He was being drafted as a backup in most leagues. So now he's top five. Um, I'm buying that. I'm buying that all day long. In fact, uh, I was kind of hoping some of the leagues that I was in that somebody left him undrafted, but he wasn't available out there. Now, last season, we did an in-depth video. Remember doing that video with you? We really dug into Tom Brady. Would he be productive last year? We said he was going to. Yes, he was getting older on that bubble. But we looked at Tom Brady, just kind of who he is outside of football. We looked at a lot of things, including his diet. Um, he spends a lot of money. He's got a dietitian, people that make his meals. Looked at his overall health, even how he sleeps. How he approaches exercise really limits the wear and tear on his body and joints. He even does brain exercises to keep himself sharp. This guy even plans his vacations around keeping himself physically and mentally sharp in football. And we, the reason why we said this, when we found last year, and it's, in, it's not any different a year later, this guy is still the very same guy. Um, it's all about longevity for him, and it's all about being productive in football. I don't think there's a player out there that's prepared as he is to extend his career and be successful later into his career. He has said he wants to play close to 50. Um, when I first heard that, I thought, really, is that possible? But, you know, I'm starting to wonder more and more if he could do that. Okay, besides one season with Torrey's ACL, he's remained pretty healthy. He's been able to avoid a lot of punishment that you get in the NFL, unlike players like Brett Favre or Manny. You know, Brett Favre loved watching him play, but, man, he was like a kid out there still in high school around, but he would take some brutal hits mm -hmm. and Tom Brady has played smarter he's been able to, to keep some of that wear and tear off of his body but here's the real reason why this guy's got top five potential why I think he's a top five quarterback he has probably the greatest weapons he's ever had in his career maybe the greatest weapons that any quarterback has ever had on a team and I'm going to say that I know some of you are going to hate that but when you really break it down has there ever been a team that had that much depth of talent um they're phenomenal start with Julian Edelman his trusted reliable slot receiver the safety valve that he loves who's so good and yet might be the least talented wide receiver between Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon. And yet Julian Edelman is a very, very good player. Look at Josh Gordon. Okay, now he's with the team for a full season. He knows the playbook. He's healthy. Got great hands. And last game we saw, you know, what a physical matchup problem he is for other teams. He's stiff-armed and he's breaking tackles. He can outbleed defenders in traffic and come down with the ball. He's got speed to get separation. He's just a nightmare for a lot of teams out there. Now you put Antonio Brown. Uh, going back to what you said previously, I'm not here to make a statement about his character. Simply based on the information that we are giving on the rape allegations, it strongly appears he'll not be suspended or miss any time. So now Tom Brady gets Hall of Famer, Antonio Brown, and he will be a Hall of Famer, added to his weapons. Tony Brown's had six consecutive seasons with over 1,000 yards, six consecutive seasons over 100 catches, and four times during that he's had double-digit touchdowns. Phenomenal. Okay? And then you add in there Rex Burkett. Rex Burkett is actually really tough to pass catching back. You know, and uh, he got a lot of uses last game in a blow-up. James White. James White is as good of a pass-catching back as Kamara McCaffrey. He's so good out there. And you mentioned it. Gronk is already talking about coming back this year. He'll be ready for week 14 
Once again, fancy implications. I love that you brought that up because that's true. Won't happen for your regular season, but you could put him on your bench and maybe use him. Uh, a little scary, though, because you really want to trust him week one, the playoffs, when he hasn't played. But still, he's coming back. And then you mentioned it, too. But uh, by the way, um, you talked about Philip Dorsett. Okay, and this is not just some chump. Philip Dorsett is a former first-round pick. People forget that. You know, the Colts drafted him, and he came over. Their former first-round pick in week one had 95 yards and two touchdowns. He's Brady's number four wide receiver and the odd men out in terms of targets. Yes, I think Tom Brady is a top five guy. Now, granted, that's going to fluctuate based on matchups, but he's legitimately a phenomenal quarterback option moving forward. Probably not so much in Dynasty, but in redrafts for certain. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I want to add two things. First of all, you said uh, you said and you used the phrase, when we looked into Tom Brady's life outside of football, when we tried to do that, I think we found out he doesn't have a life outside of <laughs> that's football. True. His whole life is around football. I agree with you. Uh, but really, that offense seems so unstoppable. You remember at the beginning of the New Hope when when their ship gets boarded by the stormtroopers and they just storm <laughs> in? That's going to be Tom Brady looking like Darth Vader. I don't know why. That's what I think of. I'm so excited to watch him. In fact, a stat that I didn't share when I did my research a minute ago was this week. Guys, they're going to dominate the Dolphins. Since week 11 of last season, the Miami Dolphins have given up a pass rating of 115.8 on average. That's absolutely awful. That's worse than the NFL. So I tell you what, they are going to be the most exciting team to watch this year and going to continue to be at least. We talk about the Chiefs, the Saints, the Rams. There's some really good offenses. I don't know if any of them can keep up with the Patriots at this point. Um, of course, we're going to probably have to wait a few weeks to see um, Antonio Brown at his full in that offense. Bill Belichick came out and said, you know, hey, we're not sure this guy's really working into it. And he's coming from an offense that has no carryover, meaning they run completely different systems. But three, four weeks from now is really where we're going to start to see that peak play. All right. All right. So we just talked a lot about the Patriots. So I thought it'd be nice. Let's do a quick one. How about the Chargers? Are the Los Angeles Chargers a legit offense and have legit fantasy talent now that Melvin Gordon is out? Uh, I'm buying that 100%. That's an absolute yes. For starters, they're 5-0 and without Melvin Gordon. That right there should tell you a lot. But is that just due to the defense? No, I think there's a lot more that goes into it. Week 1, Phillip Rivers had 28 fantasy points. He threw for 333 yards and three touchdowns. He was lights out. Of course, he was lights out because he leaned on Keenan Allen, who went over 120 yards in a touchdown. And he's got Mike Williams, who's a great receiving option. We're going to talk about Mike Williams later on because he is banged up. However, that bodes for this argument even more because he was banged up and didn't play much in that game. And yet Phillip Rivers still played just fine. Of course, they did lose Hunter Henry to injury, but again, we're going to talk more about that. But the biggest reason that I am just all in on trusting the fantasy value of this offense has got to be Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler went for 40 fantasy points last week. He led all running backs in fantasy points. This guy had, he has 14 touchdowns since the start of the 2017 season. That's 12th among all running backs in the NFL. This guy, even spending time as the backup to Melvin Gordon, has proven he can find the end zone. He is a great receiving running back. Now, he's a little bit undersized, and this is why I think some people don't trust him. And yet, not some, it's not necessarily him you have to trust because they've also got Justin Jackson, who proved last game he played okay. Um, and I think he is a good option there as well. I think that offense as a whole is set. We do need to see how they play coming out of not having Hunter Henry. And yet, they haven't had Hunter Henry for a while. He's been banged up every season for the last three years. And so it's not necessarily that big of a problem. And I think it's something that they're sort of used to dealing with. 
Um, again, I don't want to waste a whole lot of time on this, but I don't have a whole lot of concerns with that Chargers offense. They are playing red hot. And you know what? Veteran quarterback Phillip Rivers, he looks good as he has always been. I don't know what it is about 2018, about modern day football, but quarterbacks are playing longer than they ever have. At least it seems that way. I guess I wasn't around a long time ago. But what do you think, Rob? Yeah, you know, I like it. I, I agree with you. I think uh, so. The only thing I had, and you actually brought it up, the only concern I have with this offense is injuries. Lost mm-hmm. Hunter Henry, Mike uh, Williams is banged up there. Um, I'm sure he'll be fine. Now, you can't lose too many more guys. You'll start to have some issues there. I wonder if they're going to go after a tight end or pick somebody up there. But yeah, um, you know, it's funny because Phil Rivers year in and year out is a guy that we kind of overlook. Yet every year as he quietly goes out and he'll throw between 28 to 32 touchdown passes, you know, 4,000 yards. And he's not a very, what I would call a sexy pick. But, yeah, as good as it gets there. So, yeah, I think you can trust these guys. I think that the one thing that you didn't talk about is what's going to happen. Now Melvin Gordon's come out and said he's not going to be like Le'Veon Bell. He plans on being back midseason. They even talk about comeback between weeks six to eight. Um, that can muddy the waters if you're Eckler owners. Yeah. I think Le'Veon Bell said the same thing last year and they decided to sit it out. So I just don't know. Plus, you got to be honest with you, maybe I'm petty, but if I'm the Chargers, I wouldn't want him back. I don't know. You know, that probably takes a couple of weeks to work him back into that system if that's the case. And I, like you said, I, I don't expect that that will be the case, that he'll come back. I think, honestly, there's a very high likelihood that he doesn't play this season. So I'm going to make a bold prediction there. Okay, if you're listening to me, uh, Chargers owners, and if you're listening to me, Eagles owners, there's talk earlier in the year that they might make a trade for Melvin Gordon, but they ask for too much, right? There's a guy that we like on the Eagles that we think has a ton of talent, who's the number two guy tight end Dallas Godard this guy has got a lot of talent wouldn't that be a beautiful trade there oh, Godard goes to the Chargers you know Gordon goes to the Eagles they need a running back we saw week one and we know mm-hmm. that issue so that would be a great match I don't know if they're going to do that I'm sure it's not going to happen but I think it would be a perfect fit lastly guys I want to let you know the Mike Williams injury stick around at the end of the video I'll update you on that but I don't want to mention that now because we've got a whole section to do for that so, Pittsburgh Steelers fantasy players are a bust without Antonio Brown. Am I buying or selling that? Uh, I'm selling that. Okay, I still feel very comfortable with the Steelers players there. I think they're going to put up good numbers this year. I want to break this down a little bit. Yes, they struggled week one. I know you're scared a lot of Steelers owners out there. If you're Juju Smith owner or James Conner, which I actually own both of those guys in separate leagues. Look at week one. One, it was on the road. Okay, so playing on the road is hard in the NFL. On the road versus Super Bowl champs. Uh, a team that may be uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest team in NFL history. It feels you guys are probably think that I'm a, a Patriots fan. I got a yeah, Patriots you got to relax a little bit. People are gonna start hating. I know. On I'm us. a Vikings fan actually, and by the way, I love my Vikings. Hope they beat the Packers this week. But um, I try to put my emotions aside and just look at numbers. And you know, the Patriots are a great team. So he's on the road. That's harder. If you know Ben Roethlisberger, historically he struggled on the road. Now he's made some improvement the last couple of years, but I want to look at a breakdown kind of his road versus home numbers there. Historically, um, his Road numbers are significantly worse. Some examples are his quarterback rating between 2014 2016, a three year stretch there. I'm going to give you his quarterback rating at home versus on the road. One year was 116 to 78. One year was 102 to 86. That was 114 to 91. His average home quarterback rating was 111 versus road 85. That's 26 points lower. Now, he's made some improvements the last couple of years, but he still just plays worse on the road. He just simply does. Now, that's not uncommon. You deal with crowd noise, there's a lot of other factors there, typically speaking. Now I want to talk about the England, the New England Patriots defense a little bit there. Once again, I'm not a Patriots fan, but I'm just going to talk about the numbers. They've become very dominant in the last few games. I want you to consider these numbers. So look at the Patriots defense going back to week seven of last year. No, I did take one week out there. I took out the week they played the Chiefs. I call that an outlier because nobody can stop Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I just kind of threw that game out there. Kind of it's an outliner there. But uh, other than that game, I looked at the other last 12 games that that defense has played in, right? During those 12 games, Seven times they've held teams of under 10 points or under, okay? 
During those same 12 games, they've allowed 12.3 points per game on defense. They have dominated that defense. So that defense for New England, I think, is very underrated, very good there. So um, let's give some credit to the Patriots defense more than we would maybe uh, really want to hit the Steelers on this one. Now, last season, and Ben had a career year there. He goes out, he has over 5,000 yards passing, 34 touchdown passes, has a career year, and yet he paid the Patriots last year. And in that game, he threw for 235. He did throw two touchdown passes, but he threw two interceptions. So even his career best year last year, he struggled playing the Patriots. So this is not necessarily uncommon. Last year, week one, in his career year, and last year, we don't have those phenomenal numbers. In week one last year, he started very slow. Had one touchdown passes and three interceptions versus the Browns. So don't panic. It's a long year. Okay, so a marathon and not a sprint. I think he's going to recover this week. In fact, did you know that in games where he's thrown zero touchdown passes, he's come back and his record afterwards is 24-6. and six. Um, Recovers real well. He's not going to be shaken by this. He's a veteran. He's played for many years. He's going to be okay. So why would he go from a, a career year to tanking this year where we can't trust any of the players? The only thing that has significantly changed in that offense is the loss of Antonio Brown. That's it. Basically, the same team's the same, right? Same core players, same skill position players, same offensive coordinator. And consider this. Ben Roethlisberger, when throwing to Big Ben, or when throwing to um, Antonio Brown last year, his quarterback rating was 90. Now, that's not as high as I would say other wide receiver ones. Now, some people would argue, well, the reason why Antonio Brown's quarterback rating was lower and so on and so forth is because, you know, he had double teams. He's seen the best corner. I want you to consider this. I'm going to give you the quarterback rating of some of the best wide receivers last year when they were thrown to the quarterback rating. Mike Thomas, Breeze thrown in 124. Tariq Hill, 117. Keenan Allen, 115. Julio Jones, 109. Adam Thielen, 115. Hopkins, 118. So it didn't matter because those guys, you know what? They saw double teams. Okay, They saw the number one corner, and yet the quarterback rating was significantly better than so many other players, but not the same with Antonio Brown. So losing Antonio Brown, yes, Antonio Brown's a great player, undoubtedly. Um, I'm not going to argue that, but... I think he can overcome that and be just fine. Besides Brown, he's still got James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, Samuels, Vance McDonald, and James Washington has a lot of talent there. He's going to be very solid number two wide receiver by the end of the year. In fact, we saw last game he had a 40-plus reception, a 40-yard reception there. Really kind of showed his big playability. I think he's going to get more and more snaps there. I think he's going to get more involved in that offense. What about James Conner in that offense? Can we trust him? Um, I think he was hurt by game flow, bottom line. You know, big backs like that, you know, physical backs, you need to feed them. They wear down defenses, and they simply couldn't do it. They fell behind early, had to abandon the game, kind of the game plan there. Four times last year, James Conner, once again, had a very good year. I think it's undeniable, right? Yet four times last year, he actually had worse games in terms of yards per carry and production. Yet he finished with a yards per carry of 4.5, and he had 973 rushing yards in 13 games. And James looked strong in the passing game. He had four catches for 44 yards, showing his great hands, how involved he's going to be there. I am not worried about James Conner. He's going to be just fine. Juju Smith-Schuster didn't have a bad day at all. You know, I think that sometimes we are just spoiled fantasy owners. Consider this. He had six catches for 78 yards, and he did it with a jacked-up toe. Now, um, we'll probably cover that. You got him at the end of your video to talk about his toe. Yeah, we so do. So we'll talk about that at the end there. But he had jacked-up toe. Um, they couldn't maintain drives. They stalled often. But six catches for 78 yards, if you take those numbers and you project them out, that turns out to be 96 catches, 1,248 yards for a year. I think sometimes we just get a little greedy. Um, not a bad week for Juju Smith-Schuster. So um, I think you're going to be okay. Don't panic if you own any of those guys there. Anything you want to add? No, I got nothing to add to that. It's, I mean, that's perfect. We've seen in the NFL, like last year, that makes me think of uh, the Buffalo Bills were awful last year. Absolutely just had their way with dominated the Vikings. Oh, Things just yeah. get out of control quick, guys. And that's there's so much parody in the NFL, but they're going to be fine. I have no concerns with that offense. All right, guys. So we get the question really is, 
are the week one Minnesota Vikings the Minnesota Vikings that we are going to oh, be seeing for the rest of the year? I hope and pray. I sure Let hope so. Sell. This is a situation of, I'm going to say, buy on the running game, sell on the passing game. And I'll tell you why. I'm absolutely buying that running game. It was solid. Dalvin Cook got 23 touches, 21 carries. He had over 111 yards, found the end zone. He looked great. But it wasn't just him. It was also... Alexander Madison ran well, the rookie. He looked solid. And you know why he looked solid? Because it wasn't just good running backs. We've known the talent of Dalvin Cook for years. It was the offensive line finally being the way that they needed to be. They went out and secured their center position. They got their coach. I think they got their coach on the offensive line. They put together a solid run scheme. I think having... Um, Gary Kubiak there with that zone run offense was just what the doctor ordered. I mean, that seemed absolutely perfect. I have no concerns with that running game. Again, the only concern being the Dalvin Cook injury. And yet, Alexander Madison looked fine. I trust that running game to continue pounding the ball like they did in week one against Atlanta. Um, so I think that's out there. Now, what about the passing game? That's what do I want to address because the passing game was bad. And I think the question a lot of people have is, is that the Minnesota Vikings passing game we're going to see all year? And I don't think so. I think most weeks are going to be a lot better than that. For starters, Kirk, Co uh, excuse me, Kirk Cousins threw the ball just 10 times. Did you know that was a career low? Funny thing was I was watching, uh, watching some TV earlier and somebody was talking about um, how he was going up to teammates asking them, have you ever played in a game like this? And he compared it to playing eighth grade football. Now, I know this, I coached eighth grade football for a year. Yes, indeed, eighth graders throw the ball oftentimes more than 10 times a game. That is so unbelievably rare. I've never seen an offense do that and win a game like that. And so you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna face some tougher matchups, they're gonna face some closer games, and they're gonna be throwing the ball more. Furthermore, when they threw the ball, they were successful. They got the job done. Adam Thielen had a touchdown, he had a good day. He ran over a defensive back to find that end zone. He looked awesome. Stefan Diggs only had two or three targets, and he looked great. In fact, both Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen had caught all of their targets, which is an insanely high and efficient number. Uh, Kirk Cousins finished eight for 10. So what we saw was very limited. It was extremely effective. Um, now, the one note being Kyle Rudolph, who caught zero balls, he had one target. Um, that's also sort of similar to what we're going to see. We don't trust Kyle Rudolph in that offense. We've talked about it time and time and time again. But I think this Minnesota Vikings team looks very good and I do trust that offense. Now, Kirk Cousins had a rushing touchdown. I don't expect him to continue that trend, but because I do can, can excuse me, I do trust that offense to continue moving the ball. I imagine what's probably going to happen, he's not going to have rushing touchdowns, but that play is just going to switch. In further games, they're just going to run the ball in that situation or throw the ball. And so, again, I think it's a pretty simple situation. I trust that offense. And I think in other games, they're going to be forced to score more points. They could actually have even more fantasy value than they did last week. Yeah, he was really efficient in that game, 8 for 10 for 98 yards. His quarterback rate was 140. That's really good. Once again, they just didn't need to throw the ball at all. I think they had to. They would have, and they would have moved the ball and been just fine. So, so many people are down on Kirk Cousins. Yet Last year went out, and he had 30 touchdown passes. That I think that offense is going to be just fine. So, uh, Or maybe I'm just wishful thinking being a Vikings fan. Yeah, me too. And the other thing that I like to add in, I almost didn't mention it because I, I don't know what it is. Whenever we do our research, I come in, we film the video, and that's like, shoot, why didn't I mention that? But luckily I remembered the really important thing being 
coaches have they have come out and said that they trust Kirk Cousins more and actually his own teammates came out and said that he has not only more control over that offense but they're saying he has complete control in that offense to do whatever he feel like he needs to do and I think that's really great coming into his second here year on the Minnesota Vikings with a better offensive line this is, just seems like a recipe for success hopefully I'm not just hyping them up but I think week one really starting to show that and I think people are going to see that this season all right so my final one here, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens offense, they will dominate out. You're my buying or my selling that. You know, I'm selling that. Uh, nothing against Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown and some of those players there, but uh, that was just an anomaly. But I want to start with Hollywood Brown there. Okay. Yes, he is fast. Yes, he has talent. I'm not denying that at all. I think he's obviously going to have a good career, showed what he can do, what he's capable of doing there. But if you watch the game, you know, what you noticed was a lot of his stats were uh, Miami's ineptness. If you look at it, it was missed tackles, blown coverages, things like that, slam patterns that should have been, you know, maybe a 10-yard gain. Uh, and he just beat the coverage once again. A lot of it was just the team he was playing. The Miami Dolphins look like they could be historically bad this year. Um, it's Miami. In fact, I just heard uh, today they're saying that uh, defensive back Fitzpatrick wants out. Their team is being gutted. They're in a huge rebuild. There's a lot of talk even before the season that they wanted number one pick so they could get their franchise quarterback. It seems like that's exactly what they're doing right now. Trade away their starting linebacker, Kiko Alonso. You go on and on and on. Here's another reason why the offense put up a lot of points. Um, Miami had four turnovers. The time of possession was 41 minutes to 19. That was ugly. Other teams' offenses are going to stay on the field. They're not going to get that many opportunities. They're not going to get that many snaps. Uh, that's just simply not going to happen. Now, the other thing I noticed watching the game there is that Ravens' offense was supposed to be new. Now, maybe they didn't have to throw a lot of wrinkles out there because they dominated that game. But they said, we're doing new things in offense. It's not. But if you watch it, they looked really similar to last year's offense, what they ran and what they did. Um, Lamar Jackson, no doubt. Um, I want to give him credit. seems like he's a quality young kid. I like the guy. Uh, he has no doubt gotten better. I hope he has a really good year there. But this game was an anomaly against a terrible Dolphins team. I think the Ravens are going to make the playoffs. I think the Ravens are going to have a good year. But that team is built around, I still believe, defense and running the ball. And that's what they're going to go to. And when you start getting the colder months and we need to play some of these good teams, they're going to turn back to running the ball and playing defense. So um, don't expect them to duplicate that again. In fact, I will say this. Um, waiver wire, there's two guys out there that a lot of people struggle with. Hollywood Brown or Terry McLaurin. And uh, I'm all over Terry of the two, honestly. Yeah, and in fact, Terry, or excuse me, Marquez Brown's a little bit banged up right now. We'll talk about that later with the injuries. But you know what that game made me think of? It made me think of baseball. You know what it made me think of baseball? Because if a player gets on base due to a defensive error, they don't count it in the stat book. And if, if we had that in football, if yardage and catches and touchdowns weren't counted in the stat book, if it was purely based on a defensive error, they probably wouldn't have gotten credit for many touchdowns in that game. So many of their scores, because we watched every single one of those touchdowns, were just absolutely ugly, blown coverages and missed tackles. This is not trying to like beg on them and be mean on them and talk about how bad their offense is or anything like that. But that whole five touchdown game that he had, it's not going to continue. All right. All right, guys, so I wanted to address something. The question is, are there loads of good tight ends? Because week one was a historically good, like just a historically good week for tight ends. In fact, there were 17 tight ends with at least 10 fantasy points. That would tell you, hey, there's 17 tight ends who were reasonable plays. And yet, I'm selling this, or I'm, I'm, I'm selling this. I don't think that you can trust a lot of these tight ends week to week to week. I want to talk about this. For starters, it was a weird week. There were two tight ends with plus 30 fantasy points and four tight ends with plus 20 fantasy points. And it was in a very obscure situation. 
So when we stop and look at it, guys like Jason Witten, CJ Uzuma, Tyler Higby, and Blake Jarwin all had plus 10 fantasy points. I don't expect them to continue to do that. Um, possibly Jason Witten, uh, but we've talked about Higby, Jarwin, and Uzoma not having much fantasy value. I don't trust any of those guys. Do you trust those guys? Certainly not. Um, a bit of a fluke as TJ Hawkinson went over 30 fantasy points. He's good, but he's not that good. Delaney Walker had 22 plus points. I don't trust him. I certainly don't trust him to get two touchdowns like he did last week. Vernon Davis had one big long touchdown. That boosted him to plus 15 points. One of the other players who went over 10 points was Hunter Henry. He is now out for the season. And so when we look at it, there were so many tight ends in week one who were good options. But I sat back and asked myself this question. Is that going to continue? And I didn't think so. And so I really dug into the numbers and found like, if these guys continue to have those points every single week, you know, if Delaney Walker has two touchdowns a week, which I don't think he'll even average one touchdown a week, because he'd be insane. He'd be through the roof. Um, and again, there's just so many different situations. And so when we look at that, I don't think those numbers are going to continue. I still think that we really stand by our philosophy of, hey, you got to go out and try to get one of those top five tight ends. Those are the only guys that you can really trust and really rely on. Even situations, even teams like the New England Patriots, who are used to having good tight ends, they don't have a good tight end this year. Grand, they're fine with their wide receivers. But when you look at it, I don't think that you can trust their tight any really a lot of tight end situations. Um, and I just wanted to secure that or kind of take a second to remind everyone of that because I've been hearing a lot of talk about how many great options there are. And I don't think that a lot of those options are quite as great as people think. Uh, Rob, what do you think about that? Because it was a really weird week. Yeah, people tend to overreact. I think, uh, gosh, I can't remember, it was a couple years ago, there was a running back. Uh, I think his name was Kuhn. Uh, John Kuhn, I think it is, fullback for the Packers. Ended up getting three touchdowns in the game. And then the waiver wire went crazy for the dude. And I think he had one more touchdown the rest of the year. Barely had any carries, you know. I mean, things like that happen. You've got to be able to sort through that. Take a look at it. Um, you know, last night, Thursday night game was complete. Now, Greg also, give him credit, he actually had a good game. It looks like, you know, he's still got a couple years left, some gas in that tank there, and maybe he's going to be back to his old self. Although, this is a guy that's been successful. Yeah. Um, but in that same game, O.J. Howard, that many, many people thought were going to be ranked high, had a really bad game, and that's back-to-back -back weeks now. And so I think, you know, once again, you're seeing uh, uh, some of these numbers are going to definitely come down. Um, you know, the one thing that I thought was funny is there was a huge week one for tight ends, and yet uh, some guys like Zach Ertz or Kelsey. Kelsey had a good game. He didn't have a great game, though. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I agree with you. I think, you know, as far as they're going to be ups and downs, but for me, I want to tight end that week in and week out that I can trust, that I can plug in on for about my matchup. And a lot of the guys you mentioned are definitely matchup guys. Mm -hmm. They're plug-in plays, and they're not guys that you can trust, and that's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so that's why we say go for the top five or six guys that you can play every week no matter what. The one thing that we do like, though, about the tight ends that we talked about, this was Evan Ingram. Yeah. You know, he was everything that we said he he could be and should be. He is a stud, a hybrid tight end there. So. Actually carried me to wins in two leagues with a 30.6 fantasy points. Um, I actually wasn't going to do this tight end one. I felt like it was a really boring subject. I had like 10 people commenting this week, should I trade away my tight end? And I was like, all right, maybe we need to slow this down a little bit. Um, but that's what we've got for our buy and sell. Now to get to what I think is maybe the slightly more important part of the more week two relevant, which would be, I'm going to go through a lot of injury information that you guys need to hear. All right, so this isn't going to be the most interesting section. I'm just going down, um, reading off what I read. So we're going to go through tons of, this is probably like 20 plus names just to update everyone on what's going on. Joe Mixon, he's got that, I uh, believe it was low ankle injury. He was fully participating at Thursday's practice. Looks like he's going to play. So that's good news for you guys. At least that's what we're seeing so far. 
Um, and in fact, you know what? Stop. Before I get any further, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a smart fantasy owner, check your lineup Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Be smart about that because what we're saying now could very well change. Uh, but I'm going to continue on with this. I just want to remind everyone to make sure you're doing that. Le'Veon Bell, he had an MRI for his shoulder, revealed no structural damage to his shoulder. But it does look like he's going to play pretty banged up. And he he honestly, he had good volume numbers, but he didn't look super efficient in that offense. Now that Sam Darnold's out, that situation's looking pretty bad. Yeah, if I were to piggyback out then, you're probably going to talk about it. But Sam Darnold's going to be missing the game with mono. And mm -hmm. uh, and what that does, you're going to start Le'Veon Bell. I doubt any of you out there's got a better back than Le'Veon Bell, okay? So you're going to have to play him. But with Trevor Seaman at quarterback, I think that definitely downgrades his value. So Well, I guess we'll get that out of the way now. Sam Darnold out for probably one or two weeks with mono. Mono. We were making fun of the guy a little bit earlier. It's kind of sad that this guy is missing games due to Mono. Maybe there's something we don't know there. Uh, but anyways, we're expecting one to two weeks. Shouldn't be anything more than that. We also look at Darius Geis is out for eight weeks as of right now. We also have James Conner. He missed Wednesday's practice because he was sick, but he practiced on Thursday. He was back and healthy. Oh, go ahead. Man. No, I was just going to let you guys know that's it for James Conner. People were nervous because he missed a practice. He just had a stomach bug or whatever it might have been. He was back in practicing. He looks fine. So let's go back after each one you talk about. We'll talk about the fantasy implications of it. Let's go back to Darius Geis. Uh, he's been putting the IR out eight weeks. Obviously, Adrian Peterson has value there. But we had mentioned in our start sit video that offensive line has issues. And those are the same issues that Adrian Peterson is going to inherit. you got to pick up Adrian Peterson, obviously, at this point. How can you leave him out there in your waiver wire? I think the guy that benefits most from that for me is Chris Thompson. Absolutely. So that's the guy that I think that you can trust, uh, especially in PPR leagues. I won't trust him in standards. but Well, especially considering Adrian Peterson was deactivated. The only reactivated because they were desperate for running backs after Geis got hurt. That's a really bad sign, but uh, we'll continue moving on unless you have anything else to say. No. Do you want to say something about James Conner? No, I think him being back is good. Yeah, I think that's nothing to worry about. Of course, Tyreek Hill is out. I wrote that down just to be safe to yeah. let everyone yeah, know. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, we know he's out. There's some talk about, uh, what's his name? Um, I always get Mecole. McCole Hardman. Hardman. Yeah, and we just don't see value in him right now. So many other guys are going to get targets. You got uh, Williams, you got McCoy, you got Kelsey, you got Sammy there. So uh, we just think that he's a guy that, you know, maybe in a deep, deep bench on Dynasty League, but don't worry about him. Don't trust him. Yeah, so we move on. You mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster earlier. He hurt his toe near the end of last week's game. However, an MRI showed it's broken. It seemed, excuse me, it's not broken. Okay, I was like, <laughs> what? I broke the guy. Okay. An MRI showed that it is not broken. They also said that it's not turf toe. Uh, turf toe is one you were nervous oh, about. That, yes. Last like six weeks. I don't know what it is. Uh, so Juju Smith-Schuster is fine. He's going to play. Um, just to let you guys know that. Move on now to Tyler Lockett. He missed some time in last week's game due to a back injury, quote-unquote. That's what they're calling it. Um, anyways, he missed practice on Wednesday, and he was limited in Thursday's practice. This makes me feel like he's probably going to play, but do you expect him to play full? Or you expect this guy to be 100%. He's making me nervous. Yeah, the one thing I think, if you're Tyler Lockett, you got to be scared. But here's the one thing you need to consider. A lot of people said he had two targets. Thank God for that one touchdown. But that was actually his year last year. He had 10 touchdowns. But of all the guys that had big numbers, he had the lowest targets of anybody. He maximized that with some uh, insane production. So I guess in that offense, I, that's kind of what, you know, he's high risk, high reward. So Yeah. Moving on now, guys, we got Mike Williams. He missed yesterday's practice uh, due to some knee issues. He is questionable for week two against the Lions. Coach Anthony Lynn called it a game time decision. That's what I talked about earlier. You're just going to have to wait and see it. Wait till Sunday morning. Um, Nick Foles, obviously he's going to be out for the season. Um, we got Mark Andrews. He is questionable for this week against Arizona with a foot injury. He's marked as questionable. However, I expect him to play. 
Um, Marquez Brown, I mentioned this earlier, he's limited in practice and questionable for week two. Another situation where I'm still expect, I expect both those guys to play. As I looked into it, it didn't seem to be anything major. Uh, oftentimes coaches, they are required by the NFL to put this information out there. And so I think sometimes that happens simply because they have to say something about it. Yeah, the biggest concern I have for uh, Hollywood Brown, Marquez Brown, as you say, is his uh, snap count was low. Mm -hmm. uh, now there could be a couple reasons. Maybe it was the back. Maybe they're trying to rest it. It could have been the fact that it was a blowout. But uh, once again, um, unlike uh, him versus we talked about Terry McLaurin, McLaurin was on there for a majority of the team snaps. So uh, that's, my concern is not his back, but it's just like, why was that snap count low? Mm -hmm. I assume it was the back and the blowout. But Yeah. Certainly. We have Tyler Croft struggling with a foot injury, limited in all practices this week. He is a questionable decision. However, you weren't going to start him anyways. Uh, we've got Trey Burton. He is struggling with a groin issue. Sounds like I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but Matt Nagy said that he is confident he will play this week. Uh, so Trey Burton. But again, didn't have huge fantasy value anyway, so I have a hard time believing you're going to start him. He was a sleeper darling by a lot of people last year, but he had a very average year, so why risk it? Let him come back and see how he does. Definitely don't play him. So. As far as the Bengals go, A.J. Green, he is still not practicing. He is still out, and I believe he is still in a boot. Could be wrong on that, but he was Actually, I saw this week he's actually out of the boot now, and he was jogging. All right, so that's good news. So that's good news. However, it was confirmed that he will not be playing this yeah. week. Um, Devin Funches. Now, you weren't going to start Devin Funches anyways, but he has a major collarbone injury and was placed on the IR. However, this has some fantasy implications for his teammates. Yeah, you know, Paris Campbell, I like the guy. Uh, he missed some preseason with some injuries, but he's got a lot of talent. He's fast. The team loves him. Um, he's not a guy that I would trust playing this week, but uh, definitely if you need if you need a wide receiver to put on your bench, a sleeper, somebody with some ability, especially if you're in a dynasty league, I think Paris is the guy that's going to benefit a lot from this. The one that's probably going to surprise people the most, Sterling Shepard is ruled out for week two with a concussion. So that's pretty pretty big blow to that offense. Pretty much the, the number one wide receiver in that offense when Shepard out is Cody Latimer, who is also struggling with a strained calf, but will most likely play this week. The final, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, as far as Cody goes, I don't know if I'd start him anyways not offense. Uh, that's not that great. And I think the guys are going to get those targets. They're going to see Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. So uh, even with Shepard out, I just wouldn't trust uh, Latimer. So. All right. The last guy I wanted to mention was Jordan Reed. He is unlikely to play in week two with a concussion. He's another guy I highly doubt you were going to start him unless you were desperate. Um, so maybe go pick up somebody off the waiver or whatever. But that is really all the tight ends that I could, or all the players that I could think of to update you guys. And if I w missed one, make sure to ask a question, make sure to let us know but that seemed to be everything that we needed to update you guys on yeah some people might ask why we do our starts of video so there's a lot of reasons we want you to get out in front of waiver wire considerations give you some things you can make to wrestle with in your thoughts your decision making but we realize yeah if we made starts of video and release on friday of course we have more update information but it's always going to change even our friday videos things change saturday even sunday morning so you always got to follow it you got to watch it yourself do the best we do to give you good information we try to answer questions i think you took some last sunday morning right yeah we'll try to do that again but we can't promise you anything hope you had a good first week we look forward to hearing from you god bless and take care